Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The book I'm looking at right now is a clean contemporary romance novel written by Roseanne R. Taylor. It's titled Escape to You, and I'm going to find out more about this book. Roseanne is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Roseanne, welcome. Thank you for joining me here tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Roseanne, what is Escape to You all about? Escape to You is a clean contemporary romance. It's about Kevin Jameson, who is the lead singer of a famous pop band named Progression. His life is full of wealth and paparazzi and deadlines and drama and models and celebrities. And he's looking for something better. He's looking for lasting happiness. And he's also in need of a vacation. And so enter Emma Hamilton. Emma is a grad student. And she's about to start her master's studies. And through a series of events, she gets to be Kevin's temporary housekeeper for his vacation, which she calls his escape. That's where the title comes from. And that's in a beach house in Florida. And nobody knows where it is. And she agrees to go and help him because his regular housekeeper is out of town. And so they meet and the book goes from there. Roseanne, where'd you get the inspiration for this story? How'd you get the idea? Well, I got it in a different way, I think, from how most authors get it. I actually dreamt the plot. And yeah, the next morning, I mean, I had to do a lot of filling in, but I dreamt the major components, every one of the major components of the plot. And the next morning, I woke up and I remembered the whole dream. And I was like, wow, that would make a really great book or a great movie because, you know, I saw it in movie form in my dream. And later, I still remembered everything. And so then I began to see that it was actually a gift and that it was the book that I'd always wanted to write. Since I was in sixth grade, I wanted to write a book to give to the world. And so I started writing. Hmm. Roseanne, would you say this is a book for younger readers or more mature readers? I think it's for everyone. Anybody that likes to read about love, I purposely was thinking about the tween girls and the teenage girls at church that I was working with at the time when I was writing the book. I wanted them to be able to read the story too. So it's written in short chapters. There's not any super fancy language. It's written in an easy voice. I guess that's my voice. But I was also thinking about them. So to me, it's a book that a mom can read and enjoy it. It's like a Hallmark romance on paper. And so it's enjoyable to moms. I've had some friends read it and family read it, and they've really enjoyed it. And then they can hand it to their daughters and pass the book around because it's really, I put on a back cover, it's appropriate for anyone that loves to read about love from age 10 to 110, Mm. because I really think it has something for everyone. Roseanne, when it comes to writing and being published and everything, is this your first one or have you done it before? No, this is my debut novel, and I plan to write a series. I've already done some research for book two. I haven't started writing yet, but book two will be about Kevin's head of security, whose name is Dawson. 
he's an ex-Navy SEAL. So I've had to do some Navy SEAL research because that is not in my normal knowledge parameter. Mm. <laughs> so, so I have to figure out a little bit about Dawson before I can start writing that. But this is all brand new to me. It's been totally exciting, a dream come true. When it comes to Escape to You, did it take a long time for you to write being your first one and you weren't specifically familiar with the territory? It sure did. It took me years to write. I wrote the first eight chapters on an old iPad and it crashed and I did not have it backed up. Oh, no. And I was really bummed out. And so it took me a year to even start writing again. I had to learn when I first started writing and I had dialogue, I had to go back and then put in the quotes and the punctuation. I didn't know how to do that at first. I've learned so much. And I can say it's not going to take me years to put the next book out because the last half of Escape to You, I wrote in six months. So now I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that romance fans of all ages are really going to enjoy this book. I encourage my listeners to check it out. Again, the title is Escape to You. It's written by Roseanne R. Taylor and published by Covenant Books. So you can find this everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and everywhere you go shopping for your books. Roseanne, thank you again for joining me here on the show. I had a really nice time. Thank you so much, Corey. It was great to talk with you. And thanks for introducing my book to everyone. And I hope everyone will pick up a copy and enjoy. There's a new book out in stores right now written by Richard A. Porter. It's titled Behind the Stone, Abiding in the Will of God. And Richard is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to chat all about this book. Richard, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Haha, thanks for having me. Pretty excited about this. (laughs) I'm excited too. I'm excited to learn about Behind the Stone, Richard. Could you tell me about it? Yeah, Behind the Stone, Abiding the Will of God. Well, Behind the Stone is coming one behind Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone, and that is the will of God. So Abiding the Will of God is that he's calling us to come together as one, as one people. And it's pretty exciting for me. What happened was 40 years ago, I had a vision. And it was given to me in kind of the worst circumstance, really. I was falling. I was crying. I was literally, I told I had to leave a church because I was demon-possessed. Oh, wow. And the only reason I was told that is because this man made believe he was poor, living, you know. I don't want to talk too much about what the church is, but it was a fire and brimstone-packed church. And next to the church was a small, worn-out trailer. And so at the end of every service, he complained that God's people should be better givers. And this is over 40 years ago. And when I was taking a motorcycle ride one time, this is when I was living in Texas, I stopped by this beautiful lawn that came out of the middle of nowhere with a big house in the back. And if you knew the area in Texas, it was all clay. But what made me stop was the beautiful lawn in the midst of all this clay. And all of a sudden, a riding lawnmower was coming right towards me as I was leaning against my uh, motorcycle as like some kind of lean-to. And just then, I noticed the pastor's last name in the box. I said, nah, it can't be the pastor. He was in that small, worn-out-looking trailer. And our mouse dropped, signing his cane with leaves. They turned around, and his big lawnmower threw me around. I mean, that's how big this yard was, and then mm-hmm. beautiful house in the back. Well, that was a Saturday. And the Lord really put in my spirit, right then and there, not to say anything. I mean, his secret was truly, truly safe with me. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day was Sunday. He was teaching on demon possessed people. And all of a sudden, he said, Now, we don't want people like that in our church. And he had men physically throw me out. Wow. So I was bawling. I, I mean, I went back to where I was living and I just cried. I, I, I couldn't stop crying. And I'm like, God, how could people be like this? How could people be like this? 
I wasn't going to say anything, God. I wasn't going to say anything. And now it was dark. That's how long I was crying. And I couldn't read my Bible. I just left it against my, my chest. And all of a sudden, I had a vision from the Lord. And it was so clear. It said, many people will believe in me, but will not. It was almost like a page in front of me from the Bible just popped up in front of me. Mm-hmm. And he said, many people will say they believe in me, but will not. Many people will preach my word and they do not believe. But my words, my words, my truth, my truth. Many people will be saved by it, but they won't be. And this is the start of my story. And my story is kind of parallel with the church because it's not just about how God used me to, you know, to cast demons out of people and and heal the sick. It's also a story about my unfaithfulness and my disobedience while I was getting used. It's also a story about, see, I was kind of protected from the church. What happened was I just got on my knees and after all this, I decided I'm just going to get on my knees and build like little stones, you know, altars out in the woods and pray to God and read the Bible. And then I heard from God that, and he sent me into different churches. And I'll be sitting there in the back of a church and all saying, I'll, I'll know, you know, that's the pastor's wife on the left. That's his one he's four hours on the right. And he has another two times to the south. So you approach these pastors, you know, they know it's from God. They, you know, repent and all that stuff. And then they cry out. But the next time you show up, they throw you out. Now, I'm back in Connecticut at this time. You know, that's my home state, it's Connecticut. So the book is about rising up beyond our denominational walls, our state lines, our country lines, you know, what we really believe that is the truth. Like, what he's calling for is faithfulness. And so this book is a, it's a, it's a exciting book. Well, I think a lot of readers are definitely going to be blessed by this book. I encourage those listening right now to go seek this out. Again, the title is Behind the Stone, Abiding in the Will of God. It's written by Richard A. Porter, and it's published by Covenant Books, so grab it up anywhere that you go to buy books, like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop, and you'll be able to pick this up. Richard, thanks again for joining me here, and tell me all about this. I had a nice time talking with you. Uh, Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. There's a new children's book out written by Kendra Locklear titled God Says I Am. And right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I get to find out more about this book. Kendra is here with me. Kendra, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Kendra, can you tell me all about God Says I Am? What's the book all about? My book is about children who are medically fragile. And I was inspired to write this book because of my daughter. She passed away. February will be two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. She was almost two years old, and she had several heart diseases and lung diseases, and she was just a little fighter. And when she passed away, I was really inspired to write this book because no matter what we do or no matter what kind of situation that we're in, you know, we are important in God's eyes. Kendra, would you say this is a book for younger children, older children, or the whole range? I would say it's for the whole range. It's for everyone. About how long did it take you to put this all together and get it published, Kendra? It took an entire year. And what did you find the most challenging part of it, especially when it comes to the publishing, where there's just so many hoops you got to jump through? Was there any part of that that you found particularly challenging? Well, it was challenging the most to me was, I would say, trying to get everything properly turned in because there's so many, like you said, there's so many hoops. There were hoops you had to jump through and everything had to be done correctly. So just for example, 
I had to get all of my pictures scanned in because I wanted to be my own illustrator. And for some reason on their end, they couldn't see my pictures clearly. And I wanted my pictures to be in my book. So it took probably a whole month to get them all scanned in properly. And then after all that time and hard work, this is a really special book to you, Kendra. What was that moment like whenever you got to hold this for the first time? You got that first copy in the mail. What was that like? I cried because everybody, my whole community, I'm from the tribe of North Carolina, um, the one tribe. We are the biggest Native American tribe there is in North Carolina. And my whole community was so supportive mm. through the time of my daughter's passing. And they encouraged me the whole way through of trying to get my book out there. And when I actually got my book in my hand, I felt the love from everyone around me also. And I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this, Kendra. Do you have any advice now that you could offer to the aspiring authors listening? Yes. Don't give up. I mean, like you said earlier, there's so many hoops you have to go through with. But the most important thing is to do your best. And if there's something on your heart that you, you aspire to do, you know, just put forth your effort and God will finish the rest for you. Writing and publishing can be a lot of work, Kendra. Did you ever find yourself getting to the point where you're just like questioning the whole thing and saying, is this really all worth it? Should I keep doing this? Or, or were you motivated the whole way through? I almost gave up twice. Mm. What kept you going? Just, I think, I know I've mentioned my daughter already several times, but grief really, it really caused me to take a pause. I honestly mm. had to step back from it just for a little while. Because writing a book can be intense. Absolutely. And it's like it's like your own little child that you're nurturing and maturing. And sometimes you just have to step away for a moment. Kendra, can you tell me about the cover of this? How was the cover inspired? I have a cousin. He has spina bifida and he's in a wheelchair. And he loves to go hunting and fishing. And in the picture, I drew a child who's in a wheelchair who is holding up a bass fish. And I honestly did not know that he had a, a picture of himself as a smaller child doing the same exact pose. Oh, wow. I showed his family. They pulled out a picture and we did like a little comparison. And I was just so amazed because I felt like that my cover was just meant to be. Now, Kendra, thinking about maybe things down the road, do you, do you see yourself maybe writing another book? I do, honestly. I've already kind of started on one. <laughs> It'll be a little while before I publish it, but... Yeah, I've got one in the works right now. Again, it's titled God Says I Am. It's written by Kendra Locklear and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Kendra, it's been wonderful speaking with you tonight and hearing all about God Says I Am. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much. Joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Nick Dale. Nick, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here with me tonight. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thanks very much. You have a new book out, and I wanted to congratulate you for that, titled Cowboys Can Cry. Nick, can you tell me about this book? What's it all about? Yeah, I mean, look, I suppose the best way to put it is it's, it's almost like a journal of healing, right? I had gone through a mental health crisis that came in, in the form of, you know, questioning virtually everything about my manhood, you know, my brand of manhood, my identity, my fatherhood. Hmm. And it was a really, really big event that came with a lot of, of soul searching. And in order to kind of heal through that, 
you know, being somebody that's always written, I started writing my experience and, you know, ultimately down the line, it became a book and it's out today, which is a pretty profound experience. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, what kinds of readers did you have in mind for this? You know, at the time, I wasn't sure. All I knew was that this was helping me on a massive level to just really dig my way out of something, you know, as kind of profound as that. And it was really aimed at men looking at the kind of, you know, the brand of manhood that we've created, particularly from my generation, and then really questioning whether we wanted to pass that brand of manhood onto our kids, right? So, you know, I had kind of that as my target market, but, you know, subsequently getting it out there. And, and as you do, I put it out there among friends, family, ex-colleagues. And it's been pretty crazy that, you know, everybody has been able to find something in it that they can relate to. So even though I had a fairly segmented target market, it's actually been really broader. And it's shown me in some ways, you know, quite sadly that all of us go through these mental episodes and, you know, some of us are better at speaking about them and talking about them, but that, you know, there are people out there that are just looking for that breath, just something that they can relate to that can help. So, yeah, it turned out to be something for everyone in many ways. Hmm. Well, what does your writing background look like, Nick? Have you published and written before this? This is my very first foray into it. I'm one of those people who have written, you know, my entire life, but always done it in a in a relatively insecure way in that I, I wrote privately and, and very seldom put it past people. It was just my own private stuff. But, you know, part of my healing journey in this whole process was learning to be more vulnerable. And so I had taken what I had written it and I'd put it past, you know, my family members, my sister in particular, who's a voracious reader. And really what I was looking for was to even, you know, have some kind of affirmation that I could write Mm. and that it would somehow be readworthy. And, you know, her giving me her praises, not only on the content, but on the writing style pushed me further to just, you know, putting it out there publicly. And there is also another part of it where I felt I was called in a way by a higher kind of divine power to write this book and that it was something that needed to get out there. So, you know, it's been very vulnerable. It's been something that I've really had to push through. Exciting, terrifying, all mixed into one. But yeah, it's my first one and hopefully there'll be more. Did this take you a long time then being your first one and not really being familiar necessarily with the territory? Yeah, collectively, it probably took me about 10 months and it took really developing a writing discipline in the Mm. sense that I kind of set myself daily targets, but also a lot of, you know, silent time just planning out things in my head. But then at the same time, because it was so personal, the writing really flowed. In the past, I found sometimes, you know, that the good old writer's block, if you want to call it that, this just came out of me in a, in a free flow way that is it's probably the most fluent I've ever written in my life. So I figure there must have been something else guiding that pen as it were. And Nick, you mentioned hopefully writing more books. So are you considering something of a follow-up maybe to Cowboys Can Cry or are you thinking about exploring something else? They're both. I think for me to do it justice, I'm kind of letting the next step in my healing and the next process really bed in and then looking to see what kind of comes to the surface and that will guide what the next project becomes. I think there are all sorts of readers out there that are going to love this book and I encourage those listening right now to seek this one out. Again, the title is Cowboys Can Cry. It's written by Nick Dale and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
So you can find it everywhere. Go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll be able to pick this up. Nick, thank you again for joining me here and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much for the opportunity and for everyone out there that's listening. I have a truly extraordinary story told in the book I'm looking at now. It's written by Mimi Kashira Hawes, and the title is The Debris of Drugs and Alcohol, Finding Peace in the Midst of the Broken Pieces, A Mother's Journey of Overcoming the Mess. And Mimi is right here with me now, and I get to find out all about this book. Mimi, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you. I appreciate your invitation. Can you tell me, Mimi, all about the debris of drugs and alcohol and the story you've told here? This is a mother journey of sharing her story of hope in the midst of incredible pain and suffering with her prodigal son. That's what I can say. Finding hope. I could have given another title to my book, which I would have said, Worshipping Under Debris. That could have been another title. What gave you the inspiration to write this book and get it published? I realized that other people, we all struggle. And as I shared my story a little bit on my Facebook page, as a personal reflection, I realized that I was getting feedback from other mothers hmm. who could identify themselves with what I was writing as a personal sharing without really mentioning officially that I was talking about myself. I was just being writing in general. So when I started having the feedback from other mothers, then I realized that could be for people like me who have this story of hope in the midst of the pain. So things have not changed. The situation has not changed. But I am a mother who has been changed through my adversity. Mm -hmm. So I realized that it's time for me to go public and share with the world as some mothers of rebellious teenagers or mothers of estranged adults or mothers like me who are praying for their children struggling with addiction to be set free to know that there is a, the seat is possible even in our waiting. Hope is possible, even in our waiting. So I shared the story. Yeah, Mimi, I'm really glad that you made that decision to get started on this. Have you ever done anything like it before? Did you ever write or publish before this? No, actually, yeah. I'm not a writer. I'm just a mother who has suffered, whose faith has been tested to its limits. A mother, I think, if you know my whole story, you realize why that book. So a mother who has been challenged to a mother who has not been destroyed by the challenges. So I said I should write my story. I should put my story in writing in hope to help other people. But I'm not a writer myself, actually. You're really not talking to a writer. <laughs> You're just talking to a mother. Mimi, how long did this take you? Did this take you a long time, being that it was your first one? Almost four years. Almost four years. But I have a plenty of diaries, handwriting, books, and books, and volume of books, mm. of diaries. So I kept journaling the 
events that were happening, my prayer, my feeling, my confusion. I kept, you know, writing notes of days, you know, and the many events as I described in my book. So came were extracted from my diary, but I never written a book before. And when that day came, you finally got your first copy in Mimi, and you finally got to hold your book for the first time. What was that like? So when I took that book in my hand, my first reaction was the faithfulness of God, even in our pain, even in our suffering. So, and my prayer was, God, in you, this story of my pain to usher many other mothers who are still where I used to be, usher them to their own freedom. Well, I know a lot of people will find blessing and help and hope in the pages of this book. Again, the title of this is The Debris of Drugs and Alcohol, Finding Peace in the Midst of the Broken Pieces, A Mother's Journey of Overcoming the Mess. It's written by Mimi Kashira Haas and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mimi, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me about this really important book you've written. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you for having me to your studio tonight. I appreciate it. There's a new audiobook out everywhere that you can pick up audiobooks. It's titled, Why the Cane? It's written by Christopher G. Lockwood, and I get to find out more about this audiobook. The author, Chris, is with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Chris, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here with me. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be with you and look forward to our conversation. As do I. I look forward to learning more about why the cane. So, Chris, what can readers and audiobook listeners here in this case, what can they expect here? Well, this is a personal memoir, which I published in 2019, which was the 30-year anniversary of what I and my family all call the accident. Back in 1989, on January 2nd, when I was age 42, I was struck by a car and my left leg was 90% severed. I was flown by helicopter the day of the accident from Maine, where I live, to Mass General Hospital in Boston. And I went through a battery of major surgeries over the course of a year before we had any uh, certainty whether they were able to save my leg where I had reasonable function. I was a real roller coaster. So I tell the story of the accident, but much more importantly, I talk about some incredibly wise counsel I received from a rehab doc that my physical therapist in Maine referred me to about a year and a half after the accident. So what inspired you to sit down and write your story, Chris, and, and publish this for the world? Well, this obviously was a life-changing event for me and my family. And I wanted to share, especially as I had the opportunity finally after I retired in 2015, to share what had happened to me and my family, but especially the life-changing advice and counsel that I received from this rehabilitation doctor. He provided me with a used car metaphor, told me I needed to look at my situation as if I had a car with 120,000 miles and I wanted to get 200,000 miles out of it and that I had choices. And if I went on the back roads, I wasn't going to make it. But if I stayed on the better roads, 
most of the time. If I had a choice between stairs or an elevator, take the elevator. I didn't need to prove anything to anyone else. I had to make the decisions that were right for me. And one of the key pieces of advice he started me with was to use a cane for day in and day out activities. Now, I can walk without a cane, but if I walk any distance at all, I feel it in my leg and my back where the bone graft surgeries were done. And so the cane allows me to just be more active. But this rehab doc also knew as I worked with him that I'd been very athletic and competitive. Tennis had been my favorite sport, and I thought I would never, ever play tennis again. But as he worked with me over the course of a year, year and a half, at one point, finally, Dr. Fegan, my rehab doc, suggested that I try playing tennis. And he said, rather than downhill skiing, where my leg would be locked into a binding and the risk of re-injuring my leg would be too great. He knew I loved tennis and suggested that I try it and see whether that was possible. But I had a big mental hang-up. And I said to him, what are people going to think? If he can play tennis, why does he use a cane? This was a key moment. Dr. Feekin looked me right in the eyes and said, it doesn't matter what other people think. You need to make the decisions that are right for you. And I needed to hear that. And so with his encouragement and support, I was able to get back to playing tennis. And now it's almost 35 years later, just turned 77 years old. I am playing tennis two to three times a week. And it's all part of this used car metaphor and this incredibly wonderful advice that Dr. Featon gave me to make the decisions that are right for me and not worry about what other people think. It's titled, Why the Cane? It's written by Christopher G. Lockwood, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So go anywhere that you like to pick up your audiobooks like Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, and you'll be able to find this. Well, Chris, thank you again for coming on the Reader House Author Roundtable with me and telling me about this book. I had a really nice time tonight. Corey, thank you so much. I also had a wonderful time. Thank you. Have you ever felt like you were alone, like you were the only one going through something? Well, then this book I'm holding right now is a book for you. It's titled The Broken Road. It's written by Mary Boyle, and we're going to talk all about this book here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mary is here with me. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Can you tell me, Mary, all about The Broken Road and, and what readers can expect here? Well, readers can expect a reflection of my life. It was a testimony of how God had walked me through and protected me over a number of years that I didn't realize until I was older. And I thought that it might help someone else to know that they weren't alone if they were walking a similar road. Mary, when it comes to writing and being published, is this your first time or do you have experience here? No, it is my first time to have it published. I have done a lot of dissertations and things like that, but nothing like this. Did this take you a long time to write or did it go fairly quickly for you? Well, actually, it took a couple of years because I started it and I kind of put it down and kind of forgot about it. And then I had a friend prodding me. And so I got back in it and just actually finished it up pretty quickly. And then it was tabled for a little while, but, you know, then finally published it. 
And then what was it like when you finally got to hold it in your hands and, and see your name on the cover and everything? Well, it was very exciting because, you know, it's always nice to finally see a finished product when you wonder, is it ever really going to be done, you know? <laughs> well, Mary, when it comes to writing and publishing, there's an awful lot involved in that publishing end of things. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that now. Is there anything that you found particularly challenging about that end? Well, you know, being self-published, of course, the funding, mm. you know, you're self-publishing it yourself. But, you know, it's still rewarding after all this time because so many people that I've shared it with have given me some positive feedback that I think it was well worthwhile, you know, getting it published. And I had a fantastic experience with the publishing company. So That's fantastic. And it sounds like you had a good support system around you, people who could encourage you. Yes, I did. I did. Now, based on everything you've experienced writing and publishing for the first time, is there anything you picked up, Mary, that you could throw out there for the aspiring authors who are listening? Well, you know, one thing I would pick up is that if there is a story within you, be it fictional or nonfictional, that you want to put on paper, do it. It's very therapeutic in a lot of ways. Don't put it off. I put it off quite a number of years before I ever started it and finished it. So by the time I finished, I was like, I should have done this sooner. And so, you know, I would say, don't put it off. Just go ahead and bite the bullet and at least get it on paper and then make the decision on what you want to do with it. And when it came to things like what the book was actually going to look like, like the cover and everything like that, was that a challenge or did that go smoothly for you? You know, it wasn't. I had already in my mind pictured how I wanted the cover to be. I wanted it to be someone from the back walking down a road, like a dirt road, you know? And so they came up with the uh, cover for me with that description, and it was just awesome. Looking down the road, Mary, do you see yourself writing more and having more published in the future? You know, I don't know if I'll have things published, but I do write all the time. And there may be some other things. I have a storyline that I would like to write that has to do with my late husband. And so that may come about, about his experience. But I'm just not sure right now. But hopefully others will get inspiration and help from it. Well, I think there'll be a lot of readers who are inspired by this book. Again, the title is the Broken Road. It's written by Mary Boyle, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can find it anywhere. Go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this one up. Mary, thanks again for coming on the Reader House Author Roundtable with me here and telling me all about The Broken Road and what you do. I had a really nice time tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. The title of this book I'm looking at now poses a really interesting question. Truth. What is truth? Uh, it's written by Paul Tomlinson, and Paul is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. And thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Paul, truth. What is truth? What's this book about? This book is about the Bible. If you get the chance to read it, you will realize that I was talking about the creation of the world and how the Bible was preserved for our time. Paul, how were you inspired to write this? Well, you know, it, um, I'm a Christian for over 40 years, and this, to be exact, is my, my second book that I've written. 
this word just dropped in my spirit, truth. And as a writer, I just took my pen and just wrote the word down, truth. And um, on my way to work the day, I stopped at a light and the spirit just dropped it into me again and said, truth as it relates to the creation of the world and the Bible and how it was preserved. And I said, wow, that's what I have to go do some research and, and, and do some writing here. And that's what I did. Because when I look around and I see in the world we're living today, a lot of people just view the Bible as just an art and written by men to some days just to manipulate their fellow man. I'm a Christian and then being doing all of this study, I'm able to show people that this is not an ordinary book. It was not written by man. As I remember the days going to school and there was a time when the teacher said, Oh, today is dictation and the teacher will just read to you as you have to write. So it has something like that. The Almighty God spoke to these prophets and these writers and dictated to them what was to be written. Because when you look at even the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, and when you do the study, you realize it was written by Moses. And most of those things were done before Moses was even born. So it has to be told to him. You know, so the Almighty God was the one who told Moses what to write. Specifically, he even tell him at times that he should rehearse it in the ears of Joshua and all the children of Israel. You know, have it that they remember. And so the reason for me to do this, you know, is just so I can encourage my fellow man to get a copy of the Bible and read and understand. And, you know, because we have in this world today, we have thousands of religions. And I want to let my fellow man know that the Bible is not a religious book because Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship that man has with the Creator. It was after the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and ascension to heaven that the onlookers who hated the apostles and so saw them preaching and teaching just like what Jesus used to do. And they nicknamed them Christians saying they are Christ-like. So that's how the whole Christianity comes about. So as I say, Christianity is a relationship that we have with our Savior. But um, religion is, is man searching for a God. Yeah, that's why we have so many of them today. Well, Paul, I was thinking coming into this interview that this might be a book primarily for believers, for Christians. But being that you're talking about other religions now, it leads me to believe that this is for a broader audience. Am I right? Yeah, it's for a broader audience. Because I'll be in, in my walk of life, you know, I talk with a lot of people and they believe in a lot of things. And they say, oh, we don't believe in the Bible, it's just a white man. I hear that a lot. So then I, I you know, have to really dig deep and do my study and put it together. Let them know it's not a white man's book. It was not written by a white man. And in this book, you will know that um, the first really translation from the Hebrew and Greek that it was written in was done by a white man. His name is William Tyndale. But the Bible was written originally in Hebrew and Greek. And then it was also translated in, in the Latin manuscript. You know, if you should read this, you will understand that the Latin manuscript was not really encouraging because it did not stand up to the, the Hebrew text. There were a lot of things in the Latin manuscript that was not in the Hebrew. It was just put in there for political purposes. So this William Tyndale is an English scholar. He, uh, he spoke eight languages. You know, and he used to preach and teach the Bible, but the Bible they had then was from the, the Latin manuscript, as I say. But one day he was given a Hebrew Bible. And after receiving this Hebrew Bible and start reading, he realized something is wrong here with the Bible I'm reading now. And because he was proficient in Hebrew and Greek, it was much easier for him to do. Well, I think readers are definitely going to be blessed in the pages of this book. Again, the title is Truth. What is Truth? It's written by Paul Tomlinson, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can grab it anywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Paul, thank you again for joining me here on the show and telling me all about your work. I had a good time chatting. Yes, man. It's a good talking to you, too. 
Putting Punch in the Parables. 10 Stories that Bring the Words of Jesus to Life Today. That's the new book. It just came out, written by Liz Kimmel. And we're going to talk about that here on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Liz is joining me. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Ah, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Liz, can you tell me all about this book, Putting Punch in the Parables? Well, the book is a photo-illustrated, alliterative retelling of 10 of the parables of Jesus. So as I was deciding which parables to cover, I tried to stay away from the ones in the scripture that ended with the phrase, they were cast into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's obviously a place for those stories, but this book wasn't that place. So, What was your inspiration to write this, Liz? Well, I created it as a gift. I have two children, and then they're the cousins that are in their their generation. They're all in their late 20s, early 30s now. But I give them a gift each year at Christmas that always includes some piece of written material, and often it's a poem. This year, everything in that gift bag was going to start with the letter P, like puzzles and little gift books that points to ponder from our pets and things like that. And I thought, well, what could I write that is about the letter P? And I thought of the parable of the plant. And so that was the first parable that I wrote, and that was the one I wrote as a gift for my kids and their cousins. Hmm. Would you say this is a book more suited for younger readers then or readers of all ages? I think it's for readers of all ages. I think that the focus of it would be for, first of all, a fresh look at the parables. Many of us, if we grew up in the church or had any interaction with the church at all, were familiar with the prodigal son and the Good Samaritan and those things. But I wanted to put a fresh spin on it so that people who were maybe not going to ever look at the Bible would be able to see some of the teachings of Jesus in this more modernized, fresh way. And the alliteration is just a fun thing that ended up happening. And so I I think it could be for seekers for families who have people in their lives that, you know, would never pick up a Bible. I think also for parents to read out loud to their kids if their kids are not of reading age yet. Mm. It's, it's like a Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper kind of a thing. You know, that repetition of sound is so much fun to hear. Mm. And so I think that parents reading it to their kids out loud would be lots of fun too. So when it comes to writing, publishing and all of that, Liz, is this your first time? Well, I have self-published a couple books of Christian poetry, but I think they're only available through the um, secondhand outlets at this point. My publishers, I think, are not available to do any more reprints. Those two books of Christian poetry are probably, you know, what I've got in stock and what you can find on Amazon or wherever. But I've also done a grammar workbook for middle school children about parts of speech that are a little less familiar. And I write for guideposts for their animal devotion books. And I write regularly contribute to a publication that Grace Publishing does called the Short and Sweet series. And these are stories that are written using words of only one syllable. Oh, wow. So lots of fun. It <laughs> sounds like it. Really fun. So I do a lot of different kinds of writing. I love it. When it came to writing and publishing Putting Punch in the Parables, was that a long process? Well, the writing of it was not. I usually start preparing for Christmas in January. As soon as Christmas is over, I'm thinking about what am I going to do next year and spend all year long looking for things to go in those gift bags. And by the first week of April of whatever year this was, probably 21 or 22, I had decided what my theme was going to be. And so I wrote that first parable in April of 22, I think. I had so much fun writing it that I just had to write some more. And I ended up with 10 altogether. And writing those 10 took me about three months. Do you see yourself writing more? 
You know, I actually have started writing a couple others, but not necessarily parables. I was looking at stories out of the Old Testament, but I only got two of those under my belt. So I need at least eight more (laughs) before I could call that a book. But it's something that I'm interested in doing. I love to write like that. Liz, if there were an aspiring author came up to you and said, hey, Liz, you've been publishing, you've been writing. What advice can you give me? What would you tell them? Oh, pretty simply, I would tell them don't give up. I mean, writing is hard. It's a thing that you do alone. But if you know that you have an assignment given to you by the word of God, then be confident that he's going to bring it to pass. So don't give up. I know a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book, and I encourage my listeners to seek it out. Again, the title is Putting Punch in the Parables, 10 Stories That Bring the Words of Jesus to Life Today. It's written by Liz Kimmel, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can find this one anywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Liz, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciated you calling me. A Mother's Heart. It's the new audiobook out, written by Deborah Ann Tinson. And I get to find out more about this audiobook. Debbie, the author, is here with me now. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Debbie, can you tell me all about what readers and listeners here in this case to the audiobook can expect in a mother's heart? Well, they should expect a lot of their lives and with this wonderful inspiration. My family was inspirational. And it was inspired by not only but my mom, also my late daughter. For sure, thousand. And as you know, our passing in December of 2020, mm. then I really pumped in my heart to go ahead. I found his a bit before she passed away. And then after she passed away, I got the ending of it. And so my mom really was the most inspiring purpose for the book being written. And then I was able to incorporate my life, including my daughter's life as well, and a little bit of my granddaughter as well. Debbie, I'm sorry for your loss. Did you have any specific reading group in mind? Any target readers for this? No, I didn't. But I really was trying to target more like, you know, mothers and grandmothers, people who adopt children, you know, that that type of um, group of people. But overall, the book is for everyone. It's not done for a specific group. It's for all people. Man, woman, boy, girl, it doesn't matter who you are. If you read this book, it, it is a must read. Debbie, are you experienced when it comes to writing and publishing, or is this your first foray into this? No, this is actually my second book that I wrote. <laughs> yes, my second. How long did this take? What sort of a process was it like, clear from when you sat down and started writing it up until even the audiobook came out? It took me about, about a year. <laughs> Yes, about a year since I started writing. Then, you know, when you write, you put it down for mm-hmm. a moment. And see, that's coming in the way. My daughter got sick. So I kind of put the book to the side for a minute. And then, you know, after everything with her life, you know, you just, you know, I kind of said, okay, well, he passes it. I have to finish this book. I got my ending. And that, you know, so it was about a year. Yeah. And then when you finally got that first copy in and you got to hold your book for that first time, Debbie, what was that like for you? Oh, my God, I was overwhelmed. So overwhelmed. I couldn't even believe it myself, but I even actually got it done. And I was like, oh, my God, this book. <laughs> also, uh, all my friends, you know, my friends on here, 
And I told her, and I said, no, you got to see this. And matter of fact, when we had the revision to be done, she was one of the persons that helped you get the revision as well. Yeah. Debbie, did you have other people in your life who knew that you were doing this as well and they could be there to support you and encourage you along the way? Oh, yeah. My entire church family, uh, my benefit of Tanya, my mom, we lived in New York, so many friends and family members all over. Um, a lot of my godchildren, I have a lot of goddaughters, so they were a part of the, this whole ordeal as well. Wonderful. Looking down the road, Debbie, do you think you would do it again? Do you think you might write and publish more? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm working on my third book. So based on your writing and publishing experience, everything that you've been through, Debbie, what advice now would you have for the first time, the aspiring authors who are listening? I would tell Debbie to persevere and to be very oriented detail. Just detail everything that you know, happens in your life, no matter what it looks like. Just, you know, write it down and things that mean hire you, I would advise them to go ahead and do that because you never know when those things come up before you that would be a thing that would take your launch into your, your destiny. Well, I think this book is going to touch an awful lot of people, and I encourage my listeners to go check this out. Again, the audiobook is titled A Mother's Heart. It's written by Deborah Ann Tinson, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So go wherever that you usually go to get your audiobooks. You'll be able to find this like on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere. Debbie, thank you again for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you. I'm fine. That is talking with you, too. Thank you so much for your time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 